1: Hey guys, welcome to the Thinker Girls Pod channel. I'm Stacey June. And I'm Christy Messer. Are you talking louder than normal? Well, I'm just... What's happening? No, I'm just excited to be here.
2: <laughs> Is that alright? No, I'm just, I'm just, of course it's alright. It's more than alright. It's brilliant. Just it was very loud. I'm just, I just wasn't used to it. I don't know if it's because I've got these $6 headphones in my ears that I'm actually... Are they from
1: Virgin? Well, they might as the well be
2: free from a bloody plane or something. No,
1: they're not free anymore, girl. If you haven't listened to this no. pod channel, uh, we drop different episodes throughout the week uh, about what's on our lives, our guests' lives, your lives. And today's episode is called The 411, where we just chew the fat on what's going on across the world. Topics that are strictly, strictly limited to things we're in- actually interested
2: in. Yeah, pop culture kind of stuff. What's going Barnaby on? Barnaby in- Joyce is not one of TV, them, you know? movie, like there was. Babs, you know, cloning her dogs. Barbara Streisand. What else have we covered on this show? Um, Kim, got, like, Barbara
1: Streisand and Babs was one episode. Yeah, I was just clarifying because <laughs> I didn't
2: know that Barbara Streisand was called Babs until oh, that episode. Your pop
1: culture knowledge needs
2: to. I uh, needs a bit of a shining. No, it's it? very it's
1: um, on the outer. You're not on the in. In when some ways, in, ways,
2: you are, but you're not always in the inner. When you and our manager were texting the other day about celeb friendships, were you getting? Were you laughing because it was just radio silence from me? It was like. Best celebrity friendships. And our manager was like, oh, how good is, you know, what was she saying? You were like, oh, Gwyneth Paltrow, how good is she well, being Gwyneth friends with B- Oprah or whatever.
1: No, Gwyneth oh, and okay. Beyonce are besties. <laughs> Oprah's best friends with Gail Everybody I see, knows yeah, that. But isn't there another, what friendship was she and talking about? She spoke of Mel B and, oh, God, who was it? It was a random one. Yeah, not one that I, Jennifer Aniston? No, Jennifer Aniston is best friends with Chelsea Handler.
2: Oh no, 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 Heidi Klum. Yes, Heidi Klum and Mel B are friendship goals. Very random. That's what she's just written. And then you said Ellen and Jen Aniston.
1: Yes, they also are. Ellen, Jen Aniston, Chelsea Handler. There's like a real rat pack in there. Really? Yes. But we aren't. That's not what we're talking about today. I want to talk about the royal baby. And yes. I guess my fasten. I'm going to give all the deets, the bits and pieces that you might sk- scammed, skimmed. Skim's past mm-hmm. but also I guess around the conversation of why well I'm trying to cap- capture or figure out why we care so much <laughs> are you including yourself in that well surprisingly yeah mm. I mean not I don't care so much but I certainly did care yeah, to see a photo.
2: Same. I was interested. Oh, so you put it on your Instagram? You yeah, cared that much, but
1: more because I was like, "How weird! I mm. care about this photo,"
2: <laughs> and that's surprised me. I want to talk about um, Avicii's death over the last week or so, and how um, I don't know how much that's kind of rocked me, and I keep thinking about it a lot, and I think um, I think I get a bit frustrated by this kind of common opinion that a lot of people around me have had where they've said oh it's such a waste what a shame in a way that i don't i don't know i find it that that kind of takeaway it's like you've got the world at your feet and and what a waste i find that really quite offensive actually Mm. okay
1: Mm. um we'll get to that very soon uh i wish we had some royal music we might put some trumpets in in post if you're lucky The baby was born on Tuesday of this week, mm-hmm. which, what's the date? So that'll be the
2: 24th. So that'll be the, what day is it today? Well, yeah, and the that day tomorrow. 24th. So 25th.
1: We're recording this on a Tuesday. So the, the baby was born today, um, 8 pounds, 7 ounces, which now everything's in kilos. I find that quite confusing because I come from a generation of pounds.
2: Can I ask also why we're so obsessed with knowing a baby's weight? It's so random. I don't know. Is it because it's like back in the day that would have been a gauge as to whether the baby was healthy or not? I
1: don't. I actually don't have the answer to that.
2: Um, but I know that everybody
1: knew what everybody weighed in school. Do you still remember what yours was? Yeah, I was huge. What, you were a big pound, baby. That's probably the biggest you've ever been. Eleven. I think that is no. how much I weigh now.
2: <laughs> Nine pound eleven. Yes, I was seven or something. So you were wow I was huge. You're a big baby. I was. Do you so want me to big. Google it? Uh, why, why people? Yeah, that's why a
1: good one. Why people? I'll keep care. going with okay. the facts. So, um, the Duchess of Cambridge had her son at eleven oh one p.m. I love this I love the quote that's across all of the articles. I think we did it on our radio show a few years ago about how, in every single, I guess, the first maybe couple of paragraphs, it is noted that the Duke of Cambridge, i.e., Prince William, was present.
2: <sighs> he was there. No, present for the entire birth. That's what I read too. Oh. He wasn't just in there, ducked out for Maccas and came back.
1: News.com has said that he was present for the birth, uh, and Stunning. they're both doing well. Oh, I'm sure he is doing well. He. What did he do? Let's ask us Um, So the other interesting part was is that she was admitted uh, at St. Mary's Hospital in Paddington in London. Uh, in Which the is early, where the boys were
2: born too, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, early
1: stages of labour. Now, I mean half her luck because I know most friends that are having babies these days, if they're at early stages, they're being sent straight back home. Like she's really been treated with the royal treatment. Like, no pun intended.
2: It didn't cut, it came out pretty quick though, didn't it? It wasn't like a five, five hours from the time she was admitted till she popped the kid out. Well, she
1: must have been doing those hypno births. <laughs>
2: like, she really got amongst it. I had a mate that had a is second. Is she having a doula there? Oh, or what's is- the
1: scenario?
2: I'd like, I had a mate that had a second kid and she was like, Oh, what a bloody breeze. Oh, she said really? it just shot right out. Oh, no, because there's she's a little stretched. No, what is it? Oh, far out. My sister's going to kill me because she's a midwife because she's told me a million yeah. times.
1: But I'm sure she doesn't know how to be a radio announcer. No, 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 <laughs> but
2: she did tell me, she's like, Didn't you know this it's something something in your oh far out something in your body in your reproductive system opens up so that's why the first labor the first birth takes so much longer and then it never closes back so any consecutive children second third fourth fifth down the line whatever are way easier than the first because of the opening
1: yeah well that makes sense it's like your hymen but although there are a lot of Lot of rumours around that actually even existing now. People are yeah, saying that doesn't even exist without a hymen. Um, but I digress. So, <laughs> um, the Kensington Palace has said that medical staff—they've all been listed. Now, can I just go through how many people are in this joint? Like, I imagine the room is still not going to be ginormous. She still was in a hospital, and there's only one royal family, so it's not like they've got a royal room. Like they, she would still have had to go to some room that I guess at some point other people are in. So it would still be of, I suppose fairly small size for a hospital bed. But so when you is, wait, are
2: they in the actual birthing suite like as well, she's having the baby. I don't know,
1: but these are all the people that they've given shout outs to. Mr Guy Thorpe, uh, Alan Farthing, uh, Dr Sunit Godambi, consultant uh, Professor Hugh Thompson, physician to Her Majesty the Queen, uh and, and some other bloke. What like a dude and, and a physician. Yeah, well, I don't think any of them are women, mm. which is
2: interesting. So we have got the Queen's doc in there. Oh, is yeah. Is that what you just said? Hugh the Queen's Thomas. physician.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugh Thomas, physician to Her her Majesty the Queen and head of the medical household. Well, that'd be lucky. I'm sure they're not having to worry about bulk billing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've been going to the worst bog billing doctor lately. They're shocking.
1: Well, you know what? I haven't found a doctor that's actually worth the money, so just carry on. <laughs> Like seriously, I mean, I'm
2: very grateful to get free healthcare, but also,
1: yeah, that's a good point. But I went to get a mental health plan and get a bit of a cough checkup, and it cost me two hundred bucks. <gasps> so you just keep getting that bulk billing two hundred bucks just for that two hundred dollars. Oh, that's full on. And then she refused to give me a blood test that my naturopath wanted. So I was like. Gave her the bird, basically. (laughs)
2: Hashtag life choices. Respect mine. Thanks, Doc.
1: Seriously, wasn't interested. Michelle Chevalier-Hedge is a nutritionist and I actually had lunch with her and was telling her about this. And she was like, oh, you just need to find someone that, you know, that is going to at least listen to what you want. You know, True, yeah, yeah. Well, um, so they're, they're, they're there to help you, that not podcast, dictate
2: their own thoughts. That's
1: right. That podcast was up a couple of days ago, I think, about episode 35 because um, she talks a lot about choosing your doctors and bits and pieces. But anyway, uh, so I think the other interesting part of this birth, which I think these are all the details we ask ourselves. Somebody get is born, our friend. Mm. How much did it weigh? What time did it come? How long did it take? I'm
2: still looking for that, by the way. I'm listening to you. But a lot of it's just to do with – how like the baby we'll refresh health. what
1: you're looking for because i think i've forgotten well, everyone else
2: has oh well it's the fact that why do we care about the baby's weight when uh, it's born any options? as to how kind of healthy it is because it would can determine genetics or something in hit future. us up on
1: instagram if you mm. are
2: aware it's what a good predictor of infant survival rates there we go oh, and wow. the and the rate of development
1: Ah, okay mm. um This particular baby will be fifth in line to the throne, which is a very interesting point because I think this may have been the first time, obviously these examples happen every few hundred years, that it won't change uh, considering Charlotte was born. So even though George is likely to be the king because he is the eldest of the children, George, Charlotte, and now this new baby, which has not been named, rumours are going off and it's, you know, Forty to one for Albert or Bertie. I just Bertie. That. I Bertie's that. a cute one. Actually, I like, Bertie, I like that. But for, maybe not for a
2: guy. I thought that they leapfrogged. Didn't I see something about that? That, what? that 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 this kid nameless <laughs> would leapfrog Charlotte. This no. is a boy or that no, won't happen. That's
1: not happening this time. That's oh. what I was yeah, getting to. Oh. So it goes George, Charlotte, and then this you know potential Bertie child <laughs> um will now just stay in line yeah. to the throne as per birth, not as per sex.
2: So who's decided that? Is that like so well, that? Isn't... I don't
1: know. I guess it's just come out as the oh. new like the rule, the ruling of now, like with the royal family. They change things as they go oh, along. How progressive. Um I also want to add that Amy Thompson. Uh, a random Mm -hmm. she was interviewed for this article she's 18 years old
2: (laughs) what's amy got to say on this
1: well she said um she's been camping out for 15 days
2: (laughs) why oh amy oh she would have got a good glance at Kate in the red dress. She was 11 when they got
1: married and she was there for George and Charlotte. She just loves I you're the family. I thought you were going to say she's been
2: there since she's 11. That's commitment. She was 11 when she first started camping out. She's seven, not- seven years. <laughs> she's, she's quit school. She's homeschooled by the nurses. Don't put it past people. People, mm. but this is the thing though. It's not just the birth. People in general are obsessed with the royal family in particular this new you know prince william and harry this the younger royals well
1: i don't think it is in particular i think it's it is particularly for our generation that we're interested but actually i'm pretty sure our parents would have been just as interested in Diana mm, yeah, and their true. own generation so and our gen- and our, our and our parents generation are still just as interested we've always laughed about how well those these posts go on social mm. media because mm. people are just obsessed but i understand let's put aside the fact that a, a new baby a healthy baby good news you Know it's just a really nice thing to have in a, in a news feed of a lot of bad stuff. I think it was where was it where nine people were killed from another road well, in kind the US, of attack? Yeah, yeah. Mm. um, so obviously, you know, it's always going to be such a beautiful thing. It's life, it's simple, but why is it about the royal family still in this day and age when even we spoke, we speak to Christine Forster, we've spoken to her, but that, um, that episode's coming up in a couple of weeks, Tony Abbott's sister, about repu- like becoming a republic mm. as a country. Mm. And it was pretty um, – it's fairly even in terms of the public polling around becoming a republic. So why are we so interested still and why do we still be so – why are so linked and defined by the royal family's happiness or, or their goodwill? It's just quite – Quite interesting. Something I don't quite understand. Uh, I don't I even don't know after watching The Crown. I don't seem to understand any more than uh, I did.
2: I don't know if there's an element of a them feeling familiar, because we all love to look at photos of people that we know, don't you reckon? Like there, there must be an element of looking at photos, especially if you're a little bit older than us, and you're looking at like you've seen photos and vision and interviews and all this kind of stuff of Prince William and Prince Harry since they were born. Like mm-hmm. literally you've seen them grow up before your eyes so maybe there's this element of familiarity. Like when you, I don't know, when you see, you know, child, child stars grow up, you're a bit – there's this sense of like knowing them almost.
1: Not in the same way as this air of – there's such a light air of love around mm. these kids – I get what you mean, but say Macaulay Culkin, people are looking at him. I'm, <laughs> I'm intrigued kind of getting... when they, whenever
2: there's like those clickbait <laughs> articles like Macaulay Culkin does not look like this now. I'm like, give it to me. Well, I want to see.
1: The only reason I thought of that was because he was on Ellen this week. Oh, was he? Yeah, we'll put that up on our socials actually because it is quite interesting. But you're more intrigued with Macaulay as, you know, William and Kate and Harry. There's this kind of lovingness that comes out. And what I, what I think it may be is that this, this attachment and yearning for perfection.
2: Because they do seem perfect. Like you mm. see any interview, any photo, there's A, not a hair out of place, but mm. B, they just seem like nice people. And that might sound ridiculous, mm. but whenever you just see a photo... And you, this is the thing. You never know what's going on behind closed doors. We've got no idea. And I think the crown probably gave people, or did, for me anyway, a bit of an insight into this sense of sacrifice and burden that the crown mm. actually carries.
1: I think we got that vision from the crown for the public, like the English public. You really get that sense. But it does make me think now, even though it is lovely to see the royal family and whatever, it was interesting because you get that the queen really takes you know, England's future and what the English people want very seriously. Mm. But why the fuck are we involved? (laughs) Like you can still very easily watch from afar, see the English royals, you know, really respect them, really think that that's really lovely, you've had a baby. But I am, now that you say it like that, it is interesting because I did take the same thing from watching The Crown and go, yeah, she really does give a shit about what the people are. But how the fuck does that have to do with us? Because we are the
2: people because we're a Commonwealth. No,
1: but she doesn't give a shit about Australia and the rest (laughs) of the Commonwealth. When she, Uh. The character you get and what they really care about is the English people. We just happen to be the people that they must have. Well, they must do a trip to every five or ten years. Years. And it,
2: that seems like a, b- a big burden for them. Whenever they have to come oh, out, yeah, they, here, like they hate don't. They? it
1: absolutely. They, that's why people love Harry because he actually looks like he has an okay time. He looks mm. like he is around the corner from my house, like the backpackers, and he's taking it all in, having a few beers, and being like, how good straight." I hope he is. Like, yeah, but the rest of them look like you could just—they just, they just whoa, have a gun to their back. So it is interesting because I think we can love from afar. I, I do find the whole concept so crazy prehistoric that we're still in a commonwealth.
2: Um, I want to talk about something that's, I think, struck a chord with so many people, even if you're not an Avicii fan or know much about his music or him as a person. It was just this sense of shock that I think you often feel, which when it happened on Friday, so that was the 20th of April, so going back, you know, a few days now, where you. You hear the news of something, whether you see it, I don't know, online or on Instagram or on the radio, wherever you hear it, Hear of that and you just go, what? Like there's this sense of that can't possibly be true.
1: Well, I think it happened Friday but I think a lot of us heard about it on Sunday.
2: Mm. So I think
1: the actual incident mm. happened but I think the statement… Oh, you're right.
2: It was Sunday. Mm. I was scrolling Instagram and mm. I saw that. Well, just at first, my first thought straight away was, oh, this has to be some kind of fake news story. How, oh, I
1: thought the opposite. No,
2: nah, I thought... I
1: thought, yeah, of course. I
2: thought, what? As I saw it on someone's Instagram. And then straight away I Googled Avicii because I was like, surely not. This guy's 28. Like, how... I don't know. It just felt to me where I was like, not real.
1: Really? Yeah. Just, I couldn't have been further... Further from a completely different reaction,
2: so there's been two autopsies, and the cause of death has been ruled out as being not suspicious currently, but still, the cause of death has not been released. Avicii family, his siblings, and his um, the rest of his family have gone to the place that he died, which was um, on the Arabic coast where he was holidaying at the time. But it, um, the more I read about this, the sadder it feels. This whole kind of price of fame and this misperception I think that we have especially with online and stuff these days where it's like oh they're they're living the high life Oh, wouldn't that be amazing or oh, wouldn't that be the dream and it's funny because my dad was visiting at the time and we went for a walk and I think he'd gone to the toilet or something and we stopped and I just he walked out and I said shit Avicii's died what the hell you know like I was kind of in a bit of shock and his first reaction was Oh, what a waste. It was a sense of like from dad that I got anyway that I think I've heard from a lot of people around where it's like, oh, well, you've got every... He would have had everything to live for. You know, like fame, fortune. His net worth was $85 billion, super talented, the world at his feet, young, any chick that he ever would have wanted. This kind of... This idea that this person has this slice of perfection. Who
1: else have you heard that from? Because overly my perspective is that people find that very sad because it's very common like I'm interested to know is it just older generations like people like your dad or is it people around you like who is hearing who's saying what should what what could possibly be his problem
2: um I don't know I just think in other articles that I've read and this kind of tone of how sad it is because of how young he was but you were just saying that the vibe of how what
1: would he what could he possibly have that's so bad like that's the part. Like, is that just
2: your dad? That was or? mainly from my dad, I think. Right. Where it was like this, what what kind of problems could that guy have? Because mm, that's because surprising. they're because they're all of the things that we all kind of lust over. I think this fame, fortune, money, notoriety, talent, you know, the ability to travel whenever you want. This kind of feeling that you get to live out your passion day to day. And I feel like I don't know. I remember with my ex, we had this conversation about around fame. I think it came up, something that we'd done or someone we'd spoken to or something, and I was like, how cool is that? As in you and I? Yeah, you and I had done, like with would with the Thinker Girls. And my ex was like, oh, be, that would be so sick to be famous. And I was like, what? What do you mean? He goes, don't you want to be famous? I, like, doesn't everyone want to be famous? And I was like. I suppose if you have, like, notoriety or, you know, a sense of respect or people knowing the work that you do because it's important, well, yeah, fame, I suppose, would be a good conduit of that. But just being famous for being famous, like, what? Like, nah, I wouldn't – I don't want to be famous. Do you? And that really shocked me. He goes, yeah, I reckon it'd be sick. There have been so many, you know, people that have come out since, like a lot of other – DJs and friends mm. to kind of pay tribute, talking about how isolating and how lonely, in particular, the DJ kind of life is. Like, often- well, I guess that's why
1: I wasn't surprised at all. Mm. Like, and that's, I think, this, I think that's even sadder because I think where I sit now is that these things are expected and these things are happening because not just because of the DJ world, but also our world, and that it has the way that technology has set things up and it's the same old age old argument where it's been able to connect many people but on the extreme it also has disconnected many people Mm. and therefore I think I believe that most if not all humans need like a really basic human need and I don't think we have many of them Is connection Mm. and if that is off and you're looking somewhere else for connection i.e. alcohol in his in Mm -hmm. his situation um, is a very easy to come by when you're in that place and also very easy to go looking for when you are living on an online space you know Mm -hmm. and and you're you're also like you said famous so you're incredibly isolated so to me it was tragic. I had known him. I met him. Um, I used to work in that space. Hadn't worked with him closely. But mm. um, the company I work for signed him very early on in Australia. So it just was a lot of his team and a lot of his management. Really, really timid, timid guy. Well, he was super, 16 super, when super. he started producing and then... That's not the time I would have... It would have been early 20s, I think, by the time he got... Really big, because then it
2: happened quickly. From the age of starting to produce at sixteen to touring was two years. Yeah, and then he was earning up to five hundred grand a gig. Like, um yeah, so it, it would be such a whirlwind,
1: insane. But to be fair, he's been quoted to say that the world never agreed with him. He That's retired, right. you know, and he so did.
2: at tw- at twenty six, yeah. yeah, there was this doco. I want to watch it actually. This doco called Avicii: True Stories, It and it went a lot into his. He had acute pancreatitis that was initially brought on from his you know, that can be brought on from st- stress levels on your body and drinking and anxiety and all that kind of stuff, which is when, he, yeah, he released that letter saying that he was re- retiring from touring and he was just going to go back to producing.
1: I've been in that scene, you know, and not just a scene where you go to a festival maybe and do a festival tour once a month every year, like Stereo Sonic comes up and you tour that festival. The scene is consistent, you know, it's, it's a business and it
2: is non-stop 24-hour party. Well, if you think about even taking away the drugs and the alcohol, right? If you just think about such an like an intense lack of sleep and then you're traveling different time zones and you're feeling isolated because you might be in a place where you're not speaking the language or your touring schedule would be nuts and you're rocking on 4 hours sleep a night and then you add in we all know what it's like when you have a big weekend like you feel you feel not yourself you feel anxious like so then I couldn't even imagine what that would be like living that lifestyle for years
1: heaps of people do it but it is interesting some of the best that I know have never touched drugs a lot of people have very like you know we've had Havana Brown which we'll put in the show notes she speaks about how the fact that she's not going out every weekend and getting blind Mm. but for somebody that has a DNA for mental health, like there's an actual genetic disposition to mental health or any form of addiction, that is poison for you. Poison. You know, like in the end, a lot of those diseases are genetic. Yeah. You totally, look at your parents, you look that. at your grandparents, yeah. and I don't know his genetic disposition to it, but he may not even have known, you know, that there's some kind of thing. So if you are struggling and then that is your environment, to be really honest, yeah, it just didn't – it was just so, so, so sad, especially after he, ha- he made the decision to step away that it still potentially happened in mm. a way when he was out of it. But I, I think the saddest part was is that I just was not surprised at all.
2: Do you think that there's almost this um uh, sense of responsibility that this – The way society would see this upper echelon of people that have fame and notoriety and that are talented. So, let's say, like, you know, models, actresses, you know, DJs, this kind of vibe of, you know, Hollywood people, A-listers, or people that are famous for being talented people. Do you think there would be almost this sense of, I don't know, having to feel grateful that every day you're doing something that the rest of the world wants to do? to live out your passion. And and although that comes with a lot of bad stuff and the scene may not be for you, at his core, he
1: was passionate about music. Your definition of success becomes very different. My definition of success from 20s to 30s has completely changed, particularly in the last six months. Mm. And my definition of success is more aligned now with me being my best self and my healthiest self. And I think in these instances you get into a vortex and you continue, even though you know things aren't great, your definition of winning or ambition is still standing to what it was maybe six years ago, but yet you know that it's not fulfilling for you personally and the only person that can take that out and readjust that is you. Mm. There's nobody that can help you with that because the rules of entertainment and fame are the rules. It was interesting. A therapist said to me, Uh, last week when I kind of was telling her about the real I suppose rocky road that the last six months has been she also was so pragmatic about it and was like but you chose to involve and invest in an industry that really shows you and you've seen that you aren't going to always be respected and it isn't going to be easy that's your choice Mm. and even though I would have looked upon as going oh I, I love to create, I am a broadcaster, I'm all of these things. I now look, I'm looking at things very differently and going, okay, so the Australian industry is very much put like this. You need to kind of be, I suppose, successful on these fronts. You have a national radio show, you have a TV show, you are screamed at by paparazzi on the red carpet, all these kinds of tick boxes that mm. define success. Mm. But how do you step away and change that and make that, a version of success for yourself to be the best person you can be for you and still create you know so I don't think anybody has a responsibility apart from yourself to make sure that you're looking
2: after yourself that's a good point like taking back that sense of control but it's like when you hear about you know comedians that are really depressed anxious people you kind of think wow that would be a full-on life that that's your chosen path and profession to like that would be a full-on thing, day in and day out, if it's not something that at your core. And then you you're really built look for. Yeah,
1: but you look at yourself, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, but I can't help it. This is what I'm born to do. It's like, well, is what you're born to do more important than you being healthy? Mm, mm. Like, where, what are your, what's your list of priorities?
2: Mm, it's true. Mm. If you're struggling though, LifeLine's a good place to go. Thirteen, eleven, fourteen is their number.
1: Yeah, I've called them once. So have I, actually. I have called them. Yep. They're always there. Yep. Um, and it is can be anything from anything silly or from mm-hmm. anything super, super serious. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. That's a bit dark to end on, but it's important, the conversation. Um We hope, again, that if you feel a little bit triggered by any of this conversation or do want to extend, uh, you can always share with us online or call that number. Um, And we'll be back next week,
2: Yelena Dokic. Yes, we're excited about this chat to share it with you. Yeah. It's actually, to be honest, round two of our chat with her. Yeah, we had a tech fuck up. Oh, technical difficulties, hashtag resilience, but she was back and might I add, it's the it was much better, the second chat.
1: Yeah, it was nice. We had gotten to know her by that point. Um, she has written a book, Unbreakable. Mm. She is the tennis star of our generation, really. Seriously. But her public, uh, sorry, her personal life was very public and mm. she's come out and spoke about that. So we'll ask all about that. And we also ask her about what her dreams are, what her future is, what it, what it looks like to be somebody that is a survivor of severe abuse and kind of more of a chat about looking
2: forward. Yeah. If you like this episode, you can rate and review. We would really, really appreciate that. But also, if there's, I don't know, some kind of story in the news, some kind of topical um, pop culture stuff, tag us in it and let us know. Yeah. this next week.
1: Yes, please. And we also appreciate you introducing your friends. I know a lot of you have... Pushed and shoved, and they come round eventually. But please keep pushing. We want to grow this audience and continue to do really cool stuff, and we need your help. Gas yes, Queen. Okay, see you next week. Bye. Bye.
2: Do you know what our favourite time of the week is? That is when we get to go live with you, our posse, and chat about whatever you guys want. We absolutely love going live on Facebook, but you'll only get notified that we're online if you follow us, the Thinker Girls on Facebook. Yeah, we get to say hello to you, give you guys an update on hashtag our lives and answer the questions that you've been dying to
1: ask us. So once a week, make sure that you hang in on the Thinker Girls Facebook page to find out when you can find us.